Here we go. Holy moly, Paul. This is number eight. Uh, eight, yeah, Holy man. We are we are on our frick on our way, dude. Yeah. Holy moly. I yeah. can't believe it. Now, I got an interesting fact for you, Paul. Go. Because you know I like to do this to you. I know you do. Bust my chops. Yeah, go. Do you know where holy moly came from? Ah, uh, no, I can't say that I do. No. Well, I guess holy moly goes as far back as the Greeks. Okay. It was actually in the Odyssey of Homer, I think it is, or oh, wow. whatever that is. Okay, there. yeah, yeah, the Odyssey, the Iliad and the Odyssey, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah it was uh, 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 an herb or something that was given by the gods. Okay, and it was called moly, and wow. of course the gods are holy, so holy, holy moly. moly. Oh. Yeah, and then and then it took really root in the United States, believe it or not, in comic books. Wow. Yeah, in the mid in the in the forties. Okay. Captain Marvel. Oh, wow. Yeah. Holy moly was all in there all the time. How do you like that, huh? I never so realized a, that. A little history of holy moly. <laughs> okay. It didn't come from Austin Powers. I mean, a lot of people probably think it came from Austin Powers, but it didn't. Well, we probably a lot, use a lot of holy moly today, you know, we with do. all the stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 So we have a, a very interesting topic today. Paul, I'll hand it over to you to uh, introduce our guest and uh, today's topic. Okay. Well, our topic is about issues with healthcare, specifically in the United States. And we have Jane Doe here, who is a practicing person in the healthcare industry in both getting insurance for her clients and working and getting paid the whole nine yards. So um, that's what we're going to do today. And that's, I think, kind of a biggie. Um, yes. People don't realize, like where we work, you get health care insurance and, uh, you know, the company pays part of it. But, man, what it costs, you know, without that, be unbelievable. I can't uh, even imagine. Yeah, yeah, some with that too. So we're going to turn this over to Jane Doe. And uh, where would you like to start? Well, I've been listening to your podcasts, and I've been enjoying them, and I've been wanting to uh, chime in and participate in some awesome. of them. It's it's pretty fun, and so I got to thinking, well, what's a topic that affects basically every American out there, and that is healthcare, and healthcare has been and is currently a, a buzz topic in society, and it's been a buzz topic for various reasons. So I come at healthcare from a number of angles. One, I'm a healthcare provider. I'm a physical therapist. I have worked um, in the hospital sector as a W-2 employee. I have worked as a contract employee, and I have worked just straight fee-for-service. And there are pluses and minuses to all of those, but I think it would be good for people to know what exactly is happening to the healthcare providers out there on all three levels. And then I'm a healthcare user, of course, and I come from... Um, having the experience of being someone with a pre-existing condition, needing to purchase health care prior to the Affordable Care Act. Um, and I've also been someone who had health care provided to me through school and then through my first place of employment in a hospital, and the experience was very different. So I thought, you know, we'd, it's also good to hear the perspective of what it's like to actually want to acquire health care in our country. So I would throw it out there, like one of the big things that's been a buzz topic um, for not the last election so much as the previous two is should healthcare be mandatory? And I'm hoping we have, should purchasing healthcare uh, insurance be yeah. mandatory? And I'm hoping um, we have some differences of opinions. So I'm curious to hear what you folks think. Well, I'm kind of on both ends of the spectrum on that one. I think uh, I... I kind of understand why they want to make it mandatory to make it more 
to bring to, to balance the costs out, I believe is one of the reasons why they want to do it. Correct. And, uh, but we're getting to a point, I think where the government is forcing us to do more and more things. I mean, if someone doesn't want health care, why do they have to have health care? All right. Um, Paul, do you? Well, I, I can go on with that because what they're going to do, they're going to go into the emergency room when they need something. They're not going to pay for it. And the taxpayer is going to have to pick it up. For me personally, I, I agree with you. The government puts a lot of restrictions on things. And I can see constitutional rights where you don't have to buy health care. But then I don't want to pay for somebody that's, you know, can get can afford to pay something for health care. Um, like the Obamacare, everybody had to pay something, okay, is what they did. And that's what it should be. Insurance, in my mind, is spreading the risk, okay? So the more people that are in it, the less it costs everybody. But if somebody just, you know, if somebody has a problem and they don't have insurance, they go to, you know, the hospital, they're in the emergency room, they can have a $100,000 bill, and who's got to pay for it? You know, the taxpayer, and I don't feel that's fair. So I think everybody should pay if they're capable of paying for it. Um, Try and think what else with that. Um, well, can I chime in on go, that one? Go for it. Because I don't, what I don't understand is why is healthcare different? Nobody, I mean, if you buy a home in this country, you're expected to purchase homeowner's insurance. If you don't purchase homeowner's insurance and your home burns down or whatever, you're, that's just too bad. Maybe go to GoFundMe or, or your relatives, but you don't get to just duck out and somebody else foots the bill. Why That's is a good it, point. Why is it different for healthcare? Auto insurance. Yeah. If you own a car, you're expected to own auto insurance. You're not. Ex- you don't have the expectation you can run and go buy it after you have an accident, <laughs> so that someone, you know, so that you don't have to pay the full cost. So why is healthcare different? Sooner or later, everybody accesses the healthcare system. True. That's a good point. I I I, I, und- I see your point on that. That's a good point. And the car insurance. If you want to drive. You have to. It's government regulated. You have to have insurance. You know, if True. you don't want insurance, don't drive. Then That's don't it. Drive. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I think you cannot purchase an assumed title of a car without showing proof of insurance. You can let it lapse later on, but that's a crime. And I, the idea that it's somehow benign to just go to the emergency room, get your treatment, and stiff the providers. As a provider, I have a problem with that. Your providers want to get paid, and they aren't going to get paid fairly if the hospitals are not collecting adequate fees for services. So why? I feel like we have, we're long on our right to freedom in this country, and we're a little short on our understanding that that comes with responsibilities. Okay. Now, now, uh, how is that fair to an immigrant that comes into this country that doesn't have a job or whatever? Uh, How are they going to mandate those to have health insurance? Well, I think you're talking apples and oranges. If you're talking about someone who has come into the country illegally... Which is a big problem. That person is indeed, you know, they are a criminal of sorts. They are here illegally. They need to be either deported or brought into a legal legal status. But, But saying, what about them? I don't, you know, what about them? Well... I think your healthcare providers are not... The type of people who can just watch somebody bleed to death on the sidewalk. Right. There are people who are going to get 
care and not pay for it. And that's, that's how that is. But we have a great many Americans, they're not illegal immigrants, who are also getting the health care and not paying for it. Once and, again, it should be Americans first. Well, it should be Americans yeah. first, but again, it's not an either or. It's not like they're that they have to turn away some people in the emergency room before treating others. I have, I think emergency rooms are emergency rooms, and I hope we don't become the type of society that just kicks someone to the curb because they right. don't have health insurance. Yeah. But I think we need to do a better job of having everyone that is uh, a citizen understanding it's it's part of your duty as an adult to cover this aspect. And and many of us, let me put it this way, would you rather be the person that has such serious health problems that everybody else is chipping in a little for your care? Or would you rather be one of the lucky ones who's maybe paying a little more for someone else's care? Because that is the nature of insurance. Do you want your sure. house to burn down to prove to yourself that you spent well on your right. homeowner's insurance? No. No, no, you don't. No. <laughs> let me throw one thing in there too. I think with the Obamacare, if you could not afford to pay for health insurance, you went on Medicare. So everybody would get coverage. If you're illegal here, I'm not sure how that would be. But if there's people that can't afford to pay for health care in this country, okay, and they legitimately can't afford it, they would go on to Medicaid. Medicaid, Medicaid. excuse me, I screw them up. But Medicaid, yes. I get it wrong, too. Yeah, yeah. So so let me clarify for both of you. Medicare is for 65 and older, and that's a form of socialized medicine. And I hope we get into Medicare a little bit later. Medicaid is either you um, are an individual who is disabled or you are an extremely low-income individual and... Also to clarify, because I think it hasn't been clear, the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare are the same thing, in case any listener doesn't know that they're the same thing. So to just keep it not political, why don't we just refer to it as the Affordable Care Act or the ACA? Okay. Um, But yes, I do not understand the thought process of avoiding Medicaid and going to the hospital and stiffing your providers. I don't think any provider should be stiff. It happens all the time. <laughs> that's and that's a shame. Yeah, yeah. Does that put a bad? Uh, obviously, that puts a bad taste in providers, uh, proverbially bad taste in their mouth. Then, well, I can. I mean, we can segue over to what happens um, to providers. There is. We are having mm-hmm. increasing shortages of nursing doctors. My myself as a therapist in this country, and there are reasons for that. Uh, if you want to segue over to that, sure. I'd be happy to do that. Absolutely. I, I have run the gamut. I worked in, so first of all, what happens, and I'm only speaking from my experience as a physical therapist. Uh, I happen to work in pediatrics, which has its own um, set of challenges. But in my experience, my first job, or my actually my second job, was in a skilled nursing facility, a type of hospital. And I worked there for quite a while, and I had a, I had cost of living increases with my salary. I had benefits. I had medical insurance. I had paid days off. I it was a good job. What tends to happen in situations like that is I absolutely I am a clinician through and through, and I love treating. I love treating. But the promotion line where you can actually start to make a higher income you know, not just factoring in cost of living, but a higher income and raising your standard of living, the promotion line promotes you right out of one-to-one treatment and into administration. 
And that is what happened to me. And I was eventually promoted up into administration, which I thought I was going to like, and I actually hated it. I wanted to be front lines treating. And my only options were to then just go out into uh, home care or go into a different venue uh, or to, to accept a demotion, which I didn't want to do. So I left the hospital setting and I left that umbrella of employer benefits and went out freelance. And that created its own cascade of events, both as a provider and as someone needing to seek out health insurance. So you're saying that a big a big push in the healthcare industry is is through promotions versus actual healthcare, you know, being a I'm I'm saying if you're in any in any job, you tend to start at one level and these days, I mean, the idea of cost of living increases is so far out of my reality circle these days, but it used to be you could get a cost of living increase, but that cost of living increase way back many, many years ago would immediately be eaten up by an increase in cost of food, cost of housing, whatever. So you never really got to move up um, in terms of your your lifestyle. You, wherever you were in terms of being middle class, lower middle class, upper middle class, you just stay there. And the American dream is to kind of move up the ladder. Sure. The only way to really, I found, at least in my setting, to move up the ladder and try to actually become more affluent was to move into administration. Can I throw one thing into that too? And this is another thing that bugs me, okay, with the insurance. To a certain extent, you are locked into your company if you need health insurance. Um, what do you do if you have a family and you want to quit and start your own business? I've been in the world of self-employed. It is rough to get insurance, okay? And luckily, I have uh, I never had any major health issues. But if you have a family or something, what do you do? You hate your job. You hate your boss. You hate everything about it. But you got health insurance. So what do you do? You want to start your own business? What are you going to do? It's going to cost you... I don't know, two, three thousand dollars a month. I'm guessing for a family, uh, you know, two, three children or something like that. Oh, so I'm you, just howling here. Yeah. Well, you are you are just <laughs> locked in into your company. They got you. You are a slave to a certain extent. That's my opinion on that. As opposed, if everybody would pay in the health insurance, you do whatever you want. You can go. You've got health insurance. You quit your job. You got health insurance. You pay your premium, and it'd probably be less than it cost you if. Um, you were paying regular health insurance. You're not locked in. As long as the the um, the plans were decent plans. Well, there'd be, you know, probably a good plan would be like a single-payer plan such as Medicare, okay? Medicare does not pay the best fees in the world to doctors, so uh, maybe you could jack them up. But if it was just one single-payer government plan, everybody pays the same, you get the same benefits, uh, there's nothing cut out that they're not going to cover like some of the insurance companies do. Just go get another job. You're not screwed. Start your own business. You're yeah. not screwed. You got well, health insurance. Um, well, I would I would want nothing less than what I already have now because uh, the insurance that I have to me is supremo. Right. I but wouldn't want anything less. But you, would you want to quit your job right now and take off and no. uh, pay your own health insurance? No, I would not. So luckily, we got a great boss, okay? Yeah, we do. But, we do. But supposing you had a job you freaking hated, Frank, but what my, are you going to do? But my point is, what plans do they have? I wouldn't want a plan that was anything less than I have now just to get a plan. Okay. So let me chime in on that. And I think that... Um, the evolution of some sort of 
umbrella health insurance policy. It's, we're still in that evolutionary period, and I think it might be helpful to, for you to hear what it used to be like, and this may be um, a subject near and dear to your heart. So I am, as I said, a pediatric physical therapist. And Frank, I know you have some experience with therapies for the pediatric population. This is what happens to us. There are very few of those employer-based jobs out there where you work in a, a pediatric facility like I did. There's very few of them. If you want to, as I wanted to stay aligned there, I wanted to stay face-to-face treating. I'm, in, you know, I'm increasing my expertise and my manual skills, and I just didn't want to go into an office with that. You're probably, if you want to stay in the field and, I thought, make more money, you're probably going to have to go out and take what's called a contract position. So your fee-for-service, you may work within, I worked within the umbrella of the state in some of the state programs, um, and I worked for um, for some agencies that also monitor the state programs where you just, you get a fee-for-service for, um, for actually treating the child. So that's what employment is... If you're going to go for that form of employment, and pediatric physical therapists are in demand, we, we are a, a useful field and an in-demand field and a needed field, but we have to go contract, most likely, in order to practice our craft. So prior to the, um, the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, I will tell you exactly what it was like to get insurance, and this is maybe 15 years ago, and, and people did get angry because when the ACA came into effect, I think it drove the rates up on some people's insurance plans. And we can talk about that. And is that fair or is that not fair? But I went out and I, we were a family of four, myself, my spouse, and two children. And we're talking 15 years ago. And to buy on the open market what was available uh, for stripped down, high deductible, no dental, no, no pharmacy, um, no vision was about 4000 a month Wow. 15 years ago. So factor inflation into that. It was not doable. It was unsustainable. We found a workaround because we could take the same four people and I could bring my spouse on as my employee and that cut it in half. Mm. So that cut it to 2000, 15 years ago. So if, so if you factor, I don't know how to factor in inflation. It was still crushingly difficult. But now let's add in my pre-existing condition. I was born with a birth defect. I um, had a lot of problems. I ended up having um, congenital hip dysplasia. It's like what German shepherds get if you keep them on cement floors. And I needed hip replacements in my 20s. And I was fortunate enough to have uh, school-based insurance at that time. And I got it paid for through insurance, although I, had, I carried a tremendous copay on that. Um, Whole other topic. When, when, uh, as I got older, I needed revisions uh, twice to that the initial surgery. But now I'm purchasing my own health care, and this is prior to the ACA, and it's a pre-existing condition. So this is how insurance companies used to work. They would say, "That's fine. We will give you health insurance. You will pay through the nose for it, and it will cover very little. Your pre-existing condition isn't covered for the first two years that you have this insurance." Okay, that's a little difficult. I can't have a checkup. I can't see how I'm doing. But then after two years, you get your new premium and it's jacked through the roof. Unaffordable. They would just jack the rates up. And then you go out and you trundle out and you find a new, a new policy that you can afford. And the process repeats. And I think I went 10 years without a checkup. Mm. Purchasing health insurance, trying to get through um, to where I could actually 
see a doctor and it was a nightmare and that happens to that happens to people over and over so when you saw some of the hysteria about the pre-existing conditions clause that's what that's about you have asthma you can't have insurance there there were cases of a child's born with a cleft lip pre-existing condition we're not going to pay for closing that that well, deformity you had you had covid they're going to cover you the next time pre-existing condition yeah. yeah. So we're so we're through that. But that's that's one of the that was one of the difficulties with um, when insurance companies had to pay for pre-existing conditions, the rates started to climb. So as a person who was a victim of that from a birth defect, I think, no, we all need to suck it up and pay for that. I don't know how you feel about that uh, when you're employer based. I mean, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, we didn't see our insurance go up. Hardly at all, which which really surprised me through our plan. So you know, I I'm on the other end of the spectrum. Like I said, our insurance having a disabled child has been out outstanding. Yeah, you're 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 in. You know, I hate to call it a privileged position because I think it's you, you what it is. is it's, it's an appropriate position. We are the United States of America. We are right. a first world country, and as much as people are struggling, we still live better than the vast majority of the planet. And why can't we all have insurance of that nature? And it's not. I I've, I spent uh, more time than I should have. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say arguing, but having discussions with people on Facebook and Quora during Mm -hmm. the Trump years and during the early years of the ACA, just to kind of put it out there of, hey, people are not asking for the Affordable Care Act coverage because we're lazy or not working. It's a nightmare out there if you don't happen to have one of those jobs with good employer-based health insurance. And don't just say, well, go get one that has it because... There are niches that need to be filled that sure. simply don't come with health insurance. Well, that was my point before is if I have insurance like I have it, why can't everybody have the same insurance? Uh, and that I I think the reason being is you're you're heavily taxpayer supplemented. Uh, I think if you saw the true cost of your insurance, you oh, would, I, I know you what know it, it is. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know what it is. And if a large portion of the taxpayers choose not to pay into our healthcare system and then in fact utilize it and stiff it so not only are they not paying in but they're sucking out the the foundation of it on the other side we can't all have it because it's it's unsustainable and unaffordable and private insurance companies have to make their and I am no fan of private insurance companies but I understand they they have to make their bottom line sure and I think people don't understand how expensive healthcare can be on that end. I treat many, 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 many multi-million dollar babies. Multi-million dollar. Well, my daughter's a a million dollar baby. Yeah, she's a million dollar baby. If everybody isn't paying in, where's the money supposed to come from? Well, I understand that, yeah. So that's an insurance pool, basically. Spreading the risk again is what you're doing, like any other insurance is. Yeah. One, one of my criticisms of the ACA was they they had a fine if you didn't purchase it. The fine was about $1,200 for not purchasing insurance. I say make that fine the cost of what it would cost to yeah. purchase insurance. The It's different in different states. I will say this. We're in New York. 
And in New York, uh, the ACA benefits are tied to your income, and it's never going to go above 15% of your gross income. So you have some protections on how much you're going to spend on insurance if you go through the marketplace and you purchase your health insurance through the ACA. You have a cap on it. Uh, I don't know if that's the same in other states. It has to be affordable. But I say it's it, we can't afford not to do this. Now that now there's no now there's still a fee. Uh, you're fined for not participating, but you're fined zero dollars. So there's no teeth to the law. Now, doesn't Canada have a system like that? Uh, of um, everybody has the same. Covered, yeah, yeah uh, many yeah. many countries do. Many now, countries do. and from what I read, it it's not the greatest system. It's. Well, and here's uh, one of my points was because none of this is easy. Is true, I think that te- technology technology has outstripped social norms, and I can assure you that on both ends of the spectrum, we are keeping dead people alive at great cost. I the facility I worked in, we had children that lived there. It was a it was a residential facility. Some of the kids lived there until they turned eighteen, and you have children born without an. Uh, uh, they're basically born with a brainstem and nothing else and are sustained in life for for decades through technology and they cost a fortune and they just lie there and seize and develop contractures and whatnot. There's no quality of life, but but we keep them alive. And, and then on the far end of the spectrum too, I have a number of relatives sitting in memory care in assisted living and whatever, and they're just sitting and they're waiting to die. Right. They... they, they <laughs> Well, I've seen that happen with my mom. My mom passed two years ago. She had cancer, and they kept her alive on hope. They they kept they kept giving her false hope. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's where they make most of their money in your last couple of years, Frank. Yeah. That's where they do. It was it was a shame. Yeah, I mean, it, we all knew that she was going to pass because yeah. she had the cancer, but they well, kept telling her this this well, might work, this might okay. work, this might work. Well, let me, let me ask you something, and this is something we can probably do another podcast, probably be interested in this one too. What do you think about, the, oh, uh, um, I was thinking about was assisted suicide. How would you have felt for that for your mom? Well, assisted suicide is interesting because I, Kathy and I were just watching um, some videos today about the growing trend on that, yeah. where Democrats were actually saying that you can't afford a baby, have an abortion. And I guess in Canada, it's been legal since 2016 or whatever. And uh, there was reports uh, that people that can't afford can't afford to live, yeah, are choosing suicide through their okay. euthanasia yeah. uh, programs. I, I have to. Do you want to save this for another? Podcast. Yes, we'll That'd save that definitely. Don't go too okay. crazy, yeah. but go ahead, finish up okay. what you All were right. saying. So, so let me just, um, we'll save it for another podcast, but just in answer to, first of all, they. Who is they? Well, I'm one of they. Um, keeping your mother alive on hope. I do want to throw in there that they, um, the medical professionals, are stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I got this from uh, a hospice care doctor who, that, I used to be, that I used to be acquainted with, where if you don't offer all options... The family can come back and sue you. Yeah. You have to offer all options. You can't withhold that information. And I mean, maybe there's ways to do it that could help direct well, a patient I think, one way or the other. But I think what they should do, and they didn't do, was at least I didn't see it, was here are the options. They're not going to work, 
But here are the options. They can't say they're not going to work. Well, they can't they tell could, you that it can work. They can either. give you percentages yeah. of yeah. chance. I, I will say this. As a healthcare provider, when I am asking a question about if I'm as a customer, as a healthcare user, I will ask the doctor, I will say, off the record, what would you do if it was you or your loved one? Mm. Off the record. And usually I can get a pretty good response that way because they have to protect themselves. People people well, sure, yeah. People are astonished when they're 102-year-old relative dies and they want to know what happened. What happened? It this does this does become an issue at times. Right, right. But but just based on on what you had said about Canada, well Canada doesn't, doesn't sound so great. Well, if you have this universal umbrella of healthcare and um I worked with a a family, a French family who came here actually to get to get more comprehensive care for their child. Uh, so I can speak to that. When you have the the comprehensive full umbrella of socialized medicine, they can't pay for everything. It's unsustainable. It's unaffordable. So healthcare is rationed to some extent, and that's just how it goes. You can't. You don't get to have everything. You're cut off. Uh, oh, I remember one family. You're cut off at a certain age, maybe seventy. 75 from certain cardiac procedures. Really? Not that you can't have them, but you can't have them through that healthcare system. Okay. okay. And that's what would have to happen. We would have to ration it out and say, okay, you have this basic minimum, but if you want above and beyond that, we you need a venue to be able to purchase above and beyond that. But at least you have the basic minimum that everybody right. is paying into instead of having what I have, which is the basic minimum that I'm paying an awful lot for, even through the ACA, and watching someone else go to the emergency room and stiff the system. I, I have a problem right. with that. Right. <laughs> I, have, I have relatives in Germany, and they have uh, universal health care there. But I know that my cousin also has a private policy, too. So possibly, mm-hmm. you know, you could have some basic care stuff. And if you wanted something beyond that, you could buy a private policy to also. Kind of like our Aflac? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to that. And um, just I Googled a little bit for healthcare in the world. Who's better and who's worse? And unfortunately, we're not on the, on the top. Um I did two different searches, and I'm not sure exactly where they were, but the USA was number 10 on one. Number 10. And it was number 18 on another one. Wow. And the top three were Denmark, Norway, and Switzerland. And this was maybe from 2016 or whatever I picked up. But uh, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not number one on healthcare for sure. And I also believe I read that our... Our people are dying younger than they were a couple of years. Our life is not our life age is not extending like it had in the past. Now it's shortening is what it's doing too. Well, they so. probably like that because then they don't have to pay longer. Exactly. Okay, who are they? <laughs> <laughs> they who are these they? They being a a, a large um, umbrella, like you said, of healthcare, government. Well, I think if you create a large umbrella that has fixed limitations to what it's going to pay for based on whatever, it's above and beyond, that you don't have to really worry in like who lives longer. The consumer has to worry and say, okay, but can we also outside of this umbrella have some options? I will say this for America. America, again, we're all big on our freedoms, but America, many of you are just big fat pigs and you just are. That's why I'm Jane Doe. And we're, 
We're, diabetes is going to crash our healthcare system, and this is self-inflicted diabetes from eating crap and not exercising, and then moaning and groaning that healthcare is so expensive. <laughs> we do need to step up and take a little better care of ourselves, and that will help alleviate some of this pressure as well. True. Well, I have diabetes, so. Are you, are you type one or type two, though? I'm type two. So you're the you're the. Type 1 is, the, I'm forgetting now, type 1 is um, you're born with it? You're born with, I guess your pancreas yeah. doesn't produce at all or, okay. or well, something. Okay, well, yeah. I, will, I will say to the listening audience that Frank is not big and fat, but there's a lot of type 2 diabetes. That are overweight, that yes. Are, it's just a poor, it's poor lifestyle choice. Now, I would also have to blame a lot of that on... Our food, though. Well, I agree, yes. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Of course, it's our food. Uh, three quarters of what's in the grocery store just needs to go away. Sure. Well, high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> I yes. think that was the start of diabetes right there. Absolutely. Breakfast breakfast cereal. Everything's got sugar on it. I, you know, all I, kinds of artificial crap in there. Well, sugar in its raw form isn't as bad as the processed sugars. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they process everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the food industry has a lot to blame with that, too. The food industry has a lot to blame, but the consumer is but yes. king in this. And if you don't buy it, it's not going to stay there. And I have heard, and I um, to segue into it, the argument that it's too costly to eat healthy. I say that's crap. <laughs> I say that's crap. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it from the perspective of someone who I... Uh, Moved out of the house very young. I moved out when I was 17, and I fed myself and clothed myself and whatnot. And I ate rice, onions, chicken liver, and apples or something like that. And I fed myself reasonably healthy, um, very cheaply, and I did not buy cookies and processed foods and sweets and whatnot because I couldn't afford them. They are luxuries, not necessities. But you know the difference on that? You actually had to prepare the food. You can buy, you know, a box of Junko cereal, throw some, yep. you know, throw some milk in there, go McDonald's. to some, yeah, yeah, some fast food place and you, buy something. You don't have to do anything. So your guys and your, the way that you, <laughs> when you're uh, Wait, not in the company of women, you cook one pot of food at the beginning of the week and you eat it all week. And, and I did similar. You can... I feel for, especially as you know, someone who's been a working mom for many years, my kids are grown now, but it's very hard to prepare your food. We have running water. We have microwaves. stoves, microwaves. Yes, it's hard. Turn off the TV, get off the computer, the and phone. just make it, and the phone, and just make it. You cannot, when we look at what other countries have to go and fetch their water and build a fire, yes, we can make our own food. Sure. We can do it. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're to blame for a lot of things as Americans, yes, because we're we're brought into this world and it's all there for us to consume. Yeah, yeah. And we're 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 a, I want it now kind of a society, you know. And hey, I'm hungry now. I'm going to drive to McDonald's. Boom! I've got it like that. Yes, and that's and that meal is you can probably purchase it pretty cheap, but it's not as cheap as buying a bag of rice and. I don't know, you know, I mean, you get the manager special on the meat mm -hmm. and apples and fruit. A lot of fruit is not particularly expensive. You can eat healthy. 
You, you can. can. Everybody but, has that option. But even yes. quick, you, you guys both know one of my favorite meals is chili, right? <laughs> I can make eight meals of chi- chili within an hour, and it's healthy. It's got meat, it's got vegetables, and it tastes good. I can eat that all week, okay? It'll take me one hour to make eight meals. Put it in the freezer when you want to eat it. Uh, doesn't take that much time. So I think to, to speak to Frank's point, we are... We are poisoning ourselves with a lot of processed food that has far more salt and far more sugar than I think people realize. And that is creating the diabetes crisis. I don't know why you have diabetes, Frank. You they, look, said, they said genetics. Just genetics. Sometimes it's just genetics. And people, I mean, it was just, for me, it was just position in utero, bad luck, you know, and, and I have no problem if my health insurance is costing a bit more to support your genetically acquired diabetes. But I do have a problem with the people who are just sitting in front of their television or in front of their computer munching on, you know, ringdings and and doing nothing to better their own situation. True. We should all work to better ourselves. Yeah. Liberty, liberty, freedom comes with responsibility and taking care of the body you were born into, I think is everyone's responsibility. And you see yourself when you have, I I work with so many kids with physical disabilities who struggle so hard to just maximize what they've got. And then people who are born into these perfect bodies that just treat them terribly. I, I, well, now you're not. So, you can't even shame somebody for saying they're fat or <laughs> saying true. they're this or saying they're that. Well, yeah. I don't think you have to shame. I, 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 no, but you can't even say that they're well, fat. Well, why would you? Why would you, Frank? They know they're fat. They don't need you to tell them. But you can say, look, you know, I, I don't have a problem with saying you weigh over a certain amount, you got to pay a little more on an airplane. Some places do that. You weigh over a certain amount, you're beyond your, your body mass index, your insurance is going to go up a little bit. You can you can maybe take responsibility for, for avoidable issues um, that are costly to, to the people around you. Now, I, I want to make one point. I was overweight. Okay. I maxed out at 320 pounds. Okay. And... and, and Frank is uh, slim and sprightly for those. <laughs> so what did, so. Well, like you said, I started to take care of myself better. I mm-hmm. cut out my sodas. I cut out a lot of food and I walked and I exercised every day. And, when, and plus I went through a divorce. So that's a big. Uh, okay. that, that only lightened your uh, <laughs> wallet, Frank. Maybe that's your problem. You had a hundred pounds in your wallet, right? but that took care of that. Now they always say that men can lose weight a lot quicker than women, which I, I, I've seen that happen before. You know, it is tough to lose weight. But like you said, you, people should take care of themselves a little bit better. There are, there are individuals who are just going to be heavier. There are individuals who are just going to be lighter. I have two daughters, and one is a skinny mini, and the other one packs it on, and they can eat the same diet and exercise the same amount, and that's just how it is. Neither are grossly obese. And even if you carry more weight on your frame than you might want to, I can guarantee that if you exercise and eat well, you're still going to be healthier and feel better and hopefully have fewer medical complications. So I don't think it's about fitting into a certain pant size. I think it's just... Now, now, do you think that the health industry should mandate that? Well, I don't think it's mandatable. You don't think so? Well, no, to a certain extent, some of these companies did. Um... Some of these companies that were self-insured, if you were not vaccinated for COVID, I think they charge you a premium on they your monthly. They charge you more. Was it 200 bucks a yeah, month or something, something like that? that. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. 
They did it. If you weren't vaccinated, fine. You want to take the risk. You know, we got to pay more for you if you get sick. You pay a higher premium. Possible, yeah, without a doubt. Because the younger people are what's paying for me now, right? Without a doubt, yeah. Because the, health, the healthy yeah, people yeah, are the ones yeah, paying for the yeah, sick people. Yeah, so yeah. That's right. And that's so, fine, you know, for insurance. That's how it works. That's how insurance that's, that's works. That's right. And, and the people whose houses are still standing are paying for the people whose houses burned down. Right. You don't want to become an unhealthy person no. to say, well, now I can justify this expense. It's something you do as a decent human being in a civilized society. So, so do you think that um, that should be part of health coverage? Maybe like uh, they would pay for gym memberships or... Well, a lot of health plans have done they that. Do, yeah. They, yeah. Oh, it, it's a little, it's a little maddening. I know I had, I'm not sure if I still do. They had a, uh, my health insurance had a component to it where you had to like check in with your gym regularly, and if you did so many gym visits a month, you got a reduction in your a couple hundred bucks off your annual fees. But a lot of my exercise happens outside, and there are people who are going to say, "Look, if I'm going to afford health insurance, a gym membership is too costly." Uh, to have as well. And I get my exercise by jogging or whatever. So, you know, it's not a perfect system, but if there, I think charge everybody what you charge and maybe do a give back to people who maintain a healthy weight or have a certain cholesterol level or, or something, do a, do a, a rebate to them as opposed to a, a, a punishment to the heavier people. Right. Because I think that it's not the, a punishment. It's the just carrot a, works better than the stick. Yeah, well, the healthy, yeah. the healthy people are the ones who are paying for the unhealthy people. Mm. That's, that's just how it works. That's just how it works. That's right. So you would want to protect the healthy people. I think some of the Medicare Advantage plans actually do offer... Um, um, a gym membership <laughs> included in their premium. Really? Yeah, yeah. That would be smart. Yeah, yeah. I think they yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think I would to speak to it, I think you're better off offering a reward system yes. than a punishment yes. system. Yes. And I think, I think cool. given that America can't seem to get keep the donuts out of its mouth, that... I'm guilty. <laughs> <laughs> right, Paul? I mean, you, we all can indulge a little bit. You didn't finish them all the other day, Frank. There was <laughs> no. still some left. <laughs> But yes, it's, it's, we seem to need a prize. So if there was an incentive, you know, if there was a monetary reimbursement or something, if you maintain a certain level of health, I think that would be great. But all of this is a pipe dream if we don't all pay in because we have too much outlier versus how much intake. Um, I, and that just brings me back to I would like to hear a compelling reason why any you know, adult in this country shouldn't pay in. To the healthcare system, and again, you wouldn't have to if you if you don't want to do it. You pay the you know the, the penalty is what it is. Whatever twelve hundred bucks a year. There is no penalty now. I know, uh, but that, it was. It once yeah, upon it a needs time, to be yeah. higher than that. It needs. To, you just need to pay in. Yeah. We don't get to say on say social security. You know what? I'm going to wait and see if I actually get old, and yeah. then if I do, I'll pay in. No, it's too late then. Too late. <laughs> Some people are going to drop dead before they collect a penny. And some people are going to collect way more than they paid in. That's what insurance is about. As you said, Paul, it's spreading yeah. the risk. But here's, here's another thing, too. You say you don't have to pay. You have to pay in for Medicare. Yes. You don't have a choice. No, you, you don't. have money. Or you can go to jail, one or the other, but you don't, ha- you don't have choice. One more thought that I have, too, on um, health care. Any ideas how to make health care more affordable? And some of it, like we're talking about, maybe getting some exercise, getting people healthier, would save money for the insurance companies too, and they could charge lower premiums. Do you guys have any other ideas on how you could make health care more affordable? Uh, 
I, one that I have, and I, and I love this, okay? And you, you, you're doing the same thing because you go to the same place I do. They use PAs in the office instead of doctors. Instead of her. Yeah, I've yeah. used three PAs in my life. I've loved them. I love them better than doctors, okay? Um, and I'm sure that cuts down on costs. You don't necessarily need you know, major medical training for probably most of the stuff you go see a doctor for. I think maybe maybe mo- making more of use PAs is, is good. The uninsured, again, making everybody pay would probably be another way to, uh, to make things less expensive, too. Any other thoughts on that one? I think of another way that they could bring down health costs is stop making man-made viruses. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, we'll <laughs> segue. We'll cycle back to that one. <laughs> go, go back to what episode, Frank? But, yeah, right. Yeah. I forget yeah. what that was. But, but before we Four jump, or five or before something. we jump into into that, and yes, yeah. COVID, whatever it was, has been extremely costly. But there's a number of ways that that healthcare could be cheaper. One is putting caps on lawsuits. Um, because the lawsuits, things happen, and sometimes it's negligence, and sometimes it's things happen, and we are a litigious country, and lawsuits are expensive, and lawsuits have to be affordable, and so um, providers as well as organizations have to carry very costly health insurance, in, uh, in, um, yeah, liability insurance. That's a problem. Um, the doctors are human. Doctors are human and and mistakes are going to be made. We also need to streamline the billing process. And this brings me to the the private insurance companies. I I think they're the spawn of the devil in some ways. (laughs) (laughs) They make it very difficult. I have have tried to work with private insurance companies, and I can tell you that they will lie, cheat, steal, and do whatever they can to avoid paying out uh, for services that they have agreed to pay for. And to give you an example of what it's like, you go into your doctor's office and you'll see a few people out front taking phone calls, um, taking in your information, whatever. Those are the billers and the receptionists and whatnot. Those folks don't generate income in and of themselves, but their salaries have to be paid. So suppose you have a a two-doctor practice. That two-doctor practice needs a receptionist maybe, and they need a lab technician, and they need um, a biller or, or two or three or five. Uh, and all those salaries have to be paid and that the money to pay those salaries has to come in from the fees generated by the actual service provided. Now, I happen to work for one private clinic, uh, physical therapy clinic that accepts insurance. And I will tell you, I think they have, including myself, maybe five part-time physical therapists, maybe six tops, but part-time, nobody's really full-time. They have four to five people in office just doing billing, fighting with insurance companies, trying to get things approved, trying to get payments collected that the insurance companies have agreed to pay. And it still can take up to two years for them to actually collect on two services years. provided. Two years. Yeah, and this was my experience trying to do it just as an individual. I would have had to clone myself to three people so we have this tremendous overhead of staff that has to help trundle this whole thing along so your providers can just get paid. Two years. Oh, that's not unusual. I've had the experience myself in real estate. It's taken me three years to get paid. And you can't believe the effort I had to put in to get that. Mm-hmm. They just ignore you. They don't get things, supposedly. And uh, they just figure you're going to go away, and eventually you will. If you don't make enough money, you're just going to say, forget about it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And they, they win. 
Yeah. That's the game for some how, of the insurance how companies. Do you, how do you even keep track of billing that goes back two years? You just keep at I I had this experience personally, and eventually I just gave up. You have your little pile of stuff, okay, still to collect, still to collect, and and they wear you down. They wear you down. Uh, and so. how, how much money is lost to the healthcare provider just By, in- Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. So you have the losing money from the uncollected. And these are, again, this is, this is, I'm talking about claims where the insurance company had given prior authorization and agreed to pay, and then they still don't. You can't tell me that our authority figures, you know, in Congress or wherever don't know this is happening. But we have the, the, the lobbyists, the, the insurance companies have, I think, Quite a bit of clout. I, I think it's criminal. I don't know how it can continue, and but well, it does. It is everything it is. in government is criminal. <laughs> <laughs> so so we could bring down some costs if providers didn't have to have such a huge uh, support staff to just get paid. We um, another thing that could bring down down costs. Maybe maybe it's a it's it's a pet peeve of mine. Is it's becoming increasingly expensive to become a provider. Uh, my my physical therapy degree was a master's degree from Columbia University. I think the total cost of it was about fifty thousand dollars. I'm pretty sure that same degree at Columbia is over three times as expensive, oh. uh, and the salaries are pretty flat. They're not much higher than they were. So you know, it, at the hospital. So if you're if you're looking out, if you're looking out, well, first of all, the hospitals are having trouble even getting staff and i think your wife's a nurse and they're saying like the hospitals just don't want to pay yeah she's always saying they're 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 low on staff they're, they're terribly low on, everybody's low on staff out in my field there are no therapists left in early intervention in um, some of the preschool things in the main county i work in there are no therapists left we've all left because the 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 old guard, such as myself, never got a raise in fact we got a pay cut some years back we've never gotten cost of living we got i think in 15, 20 years, I got one cost of living increase. Wow. But that was not, that did not even bring me back to the rate that I was making prior to the 11% decrease that we were handed when the program started getting expensive. Wow. Um, so y- you have you have a staffing short, I don't know, it's just a, it's a, a mess of staffing shortages because people don't want to work, so you've got to pay them more, but then you don't have money to pay them more, so what do you do? I think you get nurses from the Philippines, that's what we've done in the past. Well, well how, do, how do doctors uh, even handle that if they got to wait two years to get paid for some stuff? I mean, it's just that, you know, that payments from two years ago are just coming in, so no, that's I've, enough. Yeah, that's the cost, yeah, cost of that's how it's, it works, yeah. It's, and once, they don't get 100% of that either, too, because some of the companies are just going to blow you off. That's right. And you, can't, right. you can't sue them, you know. Well, I do see, it. like, the the uh, ex- explanation of benefits that come through, and it's like, this is what it costs, this is what your doctor got, and it's substantially lower. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but but that's a pre-discussed uh, agreement. Negotiated. It's a pre- yeah. yeah, you can negotiate your rates, and and how the doctors make up for it partly is volume, and so that's why you see the rise of PAs. You see your doctor bops in and bops out, and they just need to kind of make a quick appearance so they can say they saw you, and then your your healthcare is actually right. done by less expensive individuals, so that doctor can clock in you know, 120 people that day. And that's day. why I have to wait an hour and a half in the waiting room. That's right. That's that's one of the ways that doctors handle it, and nobody likes it. Nobody likes it, but that's the 
situation you're in. Um, a, a plus to the government programs, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, I used to have the same experience with early intervention or some of the school-based programs is you did get paid. You, they, you at least get paid. Um, but as Paul said, the rates are lower. As Paul said, the rates are lower. And also, I mean, you'll hear, or maybe you don't, but if, if you keep an ear to the, to the wind, they're always talking about Medicare cuts. They're always talking about Medicaid cuts. Well, who do you think they're cutting? I, I don't know any <laughs> other profession where the more um, popular your service becomes, the less you get paid for it. Mm. It's be just becoming a zero-sum game of it's not worth it anymore. You make a little less and a little less every year, so you kind of add on a procedure or add on, you know, ultrasound or massage or whatnot. You add on a few what are called billing codes. You can bill a little bit more to make up for that you're getting less for each service provided, and the whole system is going to collapse on itself at some point. Uh, yeah. But it just comes down back down to we all need to pay into this system. We all use it, and we well, all need to pay in, and we need to pay that would in make when sense. we're healthy. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Now, tell me a little bit about the essential benefits clause. Okay. Oh, this is near and dear to my heart. So, the essential benefits clause uh, encompassed. It was it was basically a law that said whatever health insurance plan you're offered, it has to cover certain things. Okay, and Frank, to speak to your part, like I, you want to keep the benefits that you had. Well, this was to say, like a lot of insurance policies were crap, and this at least ensures certain things. One of the things the essential benefits clause covered was pre-existing conditions, and that I think a lot of people have um, they, they can get behind it. But one of the big controversies with the essential benefits clause was everybody has to pay into OBGYN benefits, male or female, and that did not used to be the case. Well, I think they should nowadays with nobody knows what gender they are. <laughs> well, let, let me ask, let me ask you two. Um, so a lot, this caused a lot of people's health insurance to go up, um, men, because now they're paying into OBGYN benefits. So you're both men. Do you think that's fair or unfair? Uh, I mean, what's the difference really? I think it's fair too. Again, yeah. you're covering everybody you're covering regardless everybody. of sexual stuff. Uh, we may have more problems than women do too, and you're paying the same rate. So I, I think that's fair. Everybody pays the same, and I agree with that. Well, then I'm going to pretend you disagree. Okay, go <laughs> in ahead. In case there's a listener out there. Because, oh, we oh, yeah, I'm sure there's a million people disagree. <laughs> yeah. Because with you. there's there's plenty of people that disagree, and I'm to them. I want to say this. I I absolutely think it should OBGYN should be rolled into everything. There is no other aspect of healthcare where it's teased out all a cart. Uh, for example, um, prostate issues or erectile dysfunction issues. Uh, I got to pay for that. I can't say, well, I don't want to pay for prostate issues because I don't have a prostate. Right. It's You can't tease it out. I don't want to pay for sickle cell disease because that's pretty much specific to the black population and I am not black. And no, what, you don't get to tease it out. And what about the fact that women are the ones who carry babies? Well, women are the... For now, anyway. Women carry the babies. but And, and the argument was, well, I'm never going to carry a baby if you're a man, so why should I be paying for the cost of pregnancy? Well, I would like to see... You, you find me a baby out there that a man wasn't involved in the making of, and then maybe you have a point. You know, the, the baby's made by a man and a woman, so can you both not share the cost of bringing that child to fruition? That's, that would be my pushback on that. Right. And you also, um, without that clause in there, you were, women were crippled in this country, and I, and I will explain why. Prior to the Affordable Care Act, 
again, you have to go out, you have to buy your own health insurance if you're not, if you don't happen to have employer-based insurance. I have a niece um, who's in her 30s. At the point that she graduated from school, the ACA did not exist. And uh, once you were 18, you're off your parents' health insurance. So she needed to get health insurance. And this is, we're talking 20 years ago. Um, it was a, maybe two, 300 bucks a month. Okay. Um, okay. You know, expensive, but okay. But if you also wanted OBGYN benefits, the cost was more than doubled. So more you had than to pay doubled. Extra. You had to pay extra, significantly extra, to the point where if you're a young woman wanting to go out and say, start your own business, and you want to be a responsible adult and have health care, you can't afford it. You have to go to employer-based. But then you go to employer-based, and the employer hiring a woman, their, their outlay is going to be higher for, for the benefit pack, part of their um, employment package, than it's going to be for a man. So they're either going to get a lower salary or they're going to try to hire more men than women. I mean, it just really put women behind the eight ball. Um, as I think as second class citizens, I just don't, I, I really feel like women get picked on in the, in the healthcare industry. And, and I have to add that men are starting to take over women too. Men are transforming into women and dominating women things. Oh, you're talking about the transgender sports. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd love to have, I, I would be pissed off if I was a woman. I, I, I have a number of thoughts on that. I don't know if we want to get into that, <laughs> no, but I think don't. it would be, there's, there's, there's a number of your podcasts. I wish I could have been in the room on to say, but did you think about this, that, or the other? I think that the the proportion is so small, it's not necessary. It's not my hill to die on. For now, but... uh, affordable health care is my hill to die on. Um, the yeah, the the who's participating in what sports? The, the maybe in another podcast. And how do you how do you do a workaround with that? But yeah, I mean, interestingly, Frank, that's not just the transgender issue. This has already been addressed, actually, with the the Special Olympics versus the regular Olympics, and. Uh, Interestingly enough, there was a, a whole thing where people with prosthetic legs, like the high-tech prosthetic legs, yes. can't be allowed to run in the regular Olympics because they're faster. They're faster. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's an unnatural and unfair advantage, and maybe that will be the precedent by which some of these other newer issues can be right can be held to. I I, I think there's an answer to your <laughs> to your comment there. <laughs> Well, but but beyond that, Nick, in terms of lowering the cost of health care, I think prime the 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 quickest, easiest, well, not easiest, but the quickest solution is everybody pays in, and you take some responsibility for your own health. Right. That that I think would solve a lot. And then the the switching cultural norms to like there are people who one of my relatives who says he's passed his expiration date. <laughs> <laughs> he's just sitting around waiting to die. What if there was some beautiful ceremony where your family could come around you and you could have your last dinner and you could have whatever and you could just go peacefully to sleep instead of just moldering in a corner? Nobody wants that for themselves or almost nobody. Right. I, I, I feel yeah. like we've... That's some of the Native American stuff. You know, they put you off on an iceberg that or something. Yeah, 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 yeah or whatever. That's, yeah. yeah, it floated you off. Yeah. We can yeah. do a little, yeah. be a little nicer than that. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard that before. They, just oh, put, they, <laughs> they put the elders on the ice, on yeah. uh, ice 
Really? And Chunk you, and float you off to sea yeah. and goodbye. And you just, you know, I guess freeze to death. Yeah. But I mean, but that's not a bad way to go. We could, yeah. well, I'd rather be put gently to sleep in okay. the comfort of my own bed. Okay. But I don't, I don't know that there's anyone sitting right now. And again, I have several relatives in memory care who can't remember what was said to them two minutes before. And none of those as, none of these folks as young vital adults wanted this for themselves. And it costs a fortune. Mm. It costs a fortune. One more thought to where you went to maybe keep costs down. The insurance company have to pay in three months. If they agreed to pay, they pay, they have to pay it. Uh, We have our politicians. Why don't they put some kind of law in effect for that? and charge these insurance companies a penalty if they don't pay in time. That would straighten it out. Because you could charge less money if you know you're going to get paid. You're going to get paid in 30 days. You don't have to hire somebody to do that. i got to pay my bills in 30 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Insurance companies, God, they're just, uh, can be horrible to get paid from. They they really yeah. they really abuse it and yes I yeah. think a steep fine for not paying in a timely manner yeah. and then you just have to send in your billing in some way that they can't pretend they didn't get it yeah because I have had insurance companies pretend they didn't get bills Me where too. there'll be multiple sessions on one bill and they received some of you know two of them but not the other four it's all on the same piece of paper <sighs> we don't <laughs> believe you <laughs> you're lying <laughs> I guess is it some sort of like diversion tactic oh absolutely absolutely i can tell you that i've spent hours uh, and hours and hours and been told everything's straightened out now oh yeah you're absolutely right everything's straightened out you know checks in the mail kind of thing and two years later you're still not paid and that person gets paid for doing that you do not that person probably even gets a bonus for how many people that they get that go away and just forget about collecting their money i would think yeah uh i would guess and uh you know, just pay. You got to pay thirty days. If you don't, you pay a you pay a penalty unless you got some legitimate excuse. Somebody sure. can provide something. You know the way they're supposed to do it, and have universal forms. Make everything simple. Everything's complicated no, everything's in this country. Be so complicated. Look at the Internal Revenue Service, man, filling out forms and stuff. Make stuff simple. Yeah. Uh, I'm quitting because you, you guys, you guys are revving me up right now. I could go on another hour. You're pushing all the good buttons. So. Now, now with their diversion tactics. Do you think that's so that they can keep their money oh, yeah. in the stock markets longer? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure it's so they can keep yeah. their money longer. And a certain percentage of people, and I'm one of those people, eventually just goes away because, as Paul said, you still have to run your business. You sure. still have yeah. to provide your sessions. You still have to cook your meals, your healthy meals. You And all of this time that you're spent chasing down sessions that you already provided, your payment for those sessions, is unpaid time that you have to kind of fit into the workday hours and when I tell you, anyone who's dealt with insurance companies, when you call them up, you know you're going to be on that phone for at least an hour. Right. Oh, unless they drop your call 20 minutes <laughs> in and you have to start over. Who's experienced that? Yeah. Yeah. None just, of this is accidental. Just think, Frank, if I gave you a million dollars and you get to keep it for two years, you don't have to pay me anything for it. You just give me back the million dollars in two years. Yeah. You're going to make any money on How that? How much did I make on that million yeah, dollars? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what they do. They got all these small accounts out balancing. They can hold off paying, paying, paying. They can reinvest that money. Oh, uh, smart on their part. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Bad on everybody else's. I know. But yeah, that's that's what I believe happens exactly. Oh, I <laughs> I, I have to agree. The 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 amount that you, you submit a form and maybe maybe you're actually lucky and get paid and then you submit that exact same form in the exact same format 
um, you know, with the new dates and they say your form's not filled out correctly. It's all diversionary tactics and yes, to, to hold the money. So how much does benevolent healthcare really cost? Uh, well, as I said, I treat any number of million dollar babies, million, multi-million dollar babies. We have, that's, that speaks back to, to the issue of has technology outstripped what society can bear. And um, I will give you the example of Zika virus, which vanished, thank goodness. But thank for good. those of you that don't know, Zika virus was causing women to have microcephalic children. Microcephalic children, it's a small brain. Now there's levels of microcephaly and some kids walk and talk and some kids simply lay in one position and have seizures and contract up and have miserable lives. Uh, and we were looking at a virus that was if infected, that might be the only type of child you could produce forever if you were bit mm. by a Zika virus carrying mosquito. Wow. It it was in South America. It seems to have been mitigated. I hope so. But I, I want so you too. to so so suppose Zika hits this country and suppose one in every ten births, say, is this my is a microcephalic child requiring huge amounts of medical care to keep alive, and this child is never going to be a functioning member of society producing income, we can't afford it. We can't, we can't afford it. There's a tipping point where we are saving um, a lot of, of se severely to moderately to minimally compromised individuals on the birth end, and we are preserving the lives of a lot of extremely, like, what did, should I say, past expiration date mm. individuals on the far end. And neither end of this spectrum provides any income to help pay for the, the care of these individuals. There's going to come a point where we're dumping all of our money into compromised individuals at the expense of, of everyone else. And there comes a point where it's not sustainable anymore. The, the better we get at medicine, the more we create this, this conundrum. Right. So how much does it really cost? More than you could possibly imagine, I think. I'm sure it's a very big number. Well, when you, if you have, I would be curious to know if you have, like, again, pretty much every child I work with costs at least a million dollars and they're wow. just little kids, you know, and they pass through my hands in a year or two uh, and they go on to continue to cost millions of dollars because their care is so complex. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> we, we, have to, we have to pull the plug on that care or, or mitigate that care at some point. And we and in, and that is a that is a that is political suicide to take that sure. on. Sure, it's Absolutely. political suicide. So I don't know what we're going to do. No, um, that, they'll have to figure it out somehow. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know what we're going to do, but I think that the the tactics of healthcare companies to make care across the board either hard to obtain or hard to be reimbursed for is not the right way to go. And I feel like that's the direction we're going in right now, or you have the big umbrella, Medicare, Medicaid, but you just get reimbursed a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less as a provider every year while your costs of being a provider go up and up and up. The system's go, it's a, it's a snake eating its tail. Sooner or later, we're going to collapse here. Well, even with the Medicare and Medicaid, everybody's paying for that. So we're actually paying double in a sense, because we're paying Medicare and Medicaid. Everybody has to mm -hmm. pay that. And we're paying health insurance, right? Yes, but they're they're, they're separate. When you when they're you separate, but we're still paying 
on yeah, both we're, ends. We're paying we're paying for the insurance we need now. We're paying for the insurance for the poor. And we're paying uh, for the insurance when we're older. That's the cost of insurance. I mean, that's right. that's that's a significant cost. Um, and the more people that pay in, the lower that cost can become. Yeah. Um, but how much does everybody have to pay in? That's the key. I think that to put a ceiling on it, you have to put a ceiling on what care you can expect to receive. Yeah, because you could tell someone they got to pay $5,000 a month. Well, I was told I had to pay 4000 a month and I couldn't 4, do it. And then you have people just drop out of the system. That's right. Right. That's right. It's a balancing act. And I think it's a balancing act that's been difficult to implement because it's political suicide. What what politician wants to say we're not going to pay for grandma's um, exactly. valve, you know, heart valve replacement, or we're not going to pay for your child's, uh, you know, whatever brain well, surgery. Well, they have a solution. Just <laughs> they have a solution, euthanasia. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, again, this I think this is good for another podcast, but it's annoying because it's not all over the place. You had this lady in California; she was dying, right? And she wanted to do the euthanasia. She couldn't. She could not get it in California. She had to wind up going to Oregon, and she's sick. She's in pain, and eventually California changed that, I believe, too. But that sucks. Uh, this country has so much stuff that if it, it was just normal people, and again, this is my opinion, if it was you and I, you know, three of us in here making decisions, a lot of these major decisions, we could make in an hour, okay? My feeling is that in the political area, everybody could, they're smart people, they know that they could make decisions, they know the right answers to do the right thing, but they don't do that because they look at who has been providing them with money, such as <laughs> lobbyists. And that's why everything's so complicated. And it's horrible. I hate it. It is it. horrible. Uh, I love this yeah. country. I just, I think it's run very poorly. My opinion again. Yeah. Can, um, I, can I just add that the, the woman you're talking about in Oregon, because I followed that case yeah. uh, in California. She yeah. didn't, she had a brain tumor. It was inoperable. It was fatal. She was trying to live. She was young. She was living her best life. And then as she was losing function, she wanted to end it. And she did go to Oregon, but she didn't just go to Oregon. She had to go to Oregon. She had to live there yeah. in failing health, uh, having yeah. seizures for yeah. a year to establish residency. For a year. Uh, it was a year or two. It was maybe just a year, but she had to establish residency before she could then access um, you know, terminate her illness on her terms in her way. And and how we are so you're into you gotta go through this crap when you're sick. It's yes. your worst time. Now, healthcare companies, you wanna save money? You should be pushing a su- or assisted suicide. That would save you tons of money. Uh, you wouldn't have to pay on people that didn't wanna, you know, didn't they were gonna die or whatever's gonna happen. Well, until. they get into the whole moral thing, yeah, yeah. religious thing. I know, thing. I know. There you go. Another one. Uh we could go on and on and on. There's, we're just being regulated uh, to death in this well, country. I'm, I'm going to go on in two sentences on that. The, the religious aspect of it, thou shalt not kill. Okay. You can't use your religion just conveniently because, yes, there's you know, morally you should not kill. But how is it that all these artificial technologies that we're using to sustain life past when it would ordinarily be sustained, how can you say, well, that, how does religion approve of that then? It's all artificial. So you can't have, it's, it's okay to artificially prolong it, but it's not okay to, to artificially end it. it. This makes no sense to me. Nothing makes sense. <laughs> Nothing. We can, we can talk yeah, about religion. We, we got all time. the answers. <laughs> Put us three in charge of this country and we'll have everything straightened out. Right, guys?
Oh my God! Yeah. I think if you're a hundred in, in about a week, we'll have everything straightened out. <laughs> Things will be perfect, man. Well, I I, I know we should wrap up because I think we've been going a while. Yeah, but I, I will know. say one one thing that I like um, that I saw with France's system that would that would speak to a number of things. I had um, some clients from France, and again, their kid couldn't get as much care as they wanted in France. But the French system, you, you if you're a healthcare provider, you don't pay for your insurance. I'm sorry, sorry for your education. The the country pays for your education. You graduate. You must work within their socialized um, medical umbrella for, I think, 15 years. You And you get paid, but you're going to make a, a lower salary, as you do here, for working in those programs. And then after 15 years, you're allowed to go and you're allowed to create your own practice and, you know, do your own thing. Uh, and I think that's a very good system. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I, I think, as Paul said, there are solutions, um, but but I believe that some of the solutions re- involve a cultural shift and would be political suicide for the party that adopts them. And I think that's... That's key right I there. I think that's what's holding that's us what back. That's what it's all about, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, pol- no politician wants to commit political suicide. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Especially now where it's so uh, uh, fine. It's a fine line nowadays. For the politicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the country is angry. <laughs> Very angry. The whole world is angry. Not just the country, the whole world. <laughs> it's crazy. Any closing thoughts? Not really. I think we covered a lot of ground today. A lot of uh, a lot of areas that concern people. And uh, talk to your politicians. Maybe they'll actually listen to you and make some better judgments on their... their you know, they work for you, believe it or not. So... Well. I, I just hope I've offered up a little bit of food for thought for oh, people absolutely. who are entrenched in one way or another because it's a it's a complicated issue we're dealing with with healthcare on many many factors. A very complicated issue. Well, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. It was it was a very good conversation we had here, and I hope you uh, join us again for more conversations. <laughs> and uh, Paul, anything else? No, I really can't think of. It. I think we had, this is this is a good one. I. I covered a lot of ground we covered a lot of ground in this one so very good yeah and we're having fun bye yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like i always close every podcast don't believe anything that you read half of what you hear and if it came from an app it's probably crap the truth is out there you just have to find it and uh, do your own research so everybody have a great day take care take care